Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E-Dub, in the house. So we listening to Hear the Spirit. Presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spirit. Go nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spirit. Presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. I am now here with Dustin Lewis, our lead writer, and also our lead graphic designer, Fisher Adkins. Good evening, guys. Hey, what's going on? What's up, Logan? How's it going, guys? Doing good. We had a long day yesterday, of course. We know about National Signing Day. Uh, we're actually not er- up early this morning doing this podcast, so this is nice. Yeah, we earned we earned some time to sleep in this morning yeah. after a, a hectic day yesterday. I had to pull almost an all-nighter to how, get those graphics out. But How many it. graphics were there? Well, uh, let me how, look long, how late were you up? I'm going to look at my notes here. So I have... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times two, so twenty graphics total plus a couple of generics. So twenty-two graphics total. Uh, of those, one, two, three were not used, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I was up till about four o'clock. Oh, that's not too bad. That's yeah. not too yeah. bad. It's an average weekday night for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like early, it's an early night for Dustin. Yeah. That's hey, an early night. It's worth it, though. It's all, it's all worth it. It's fun. It's fun. It is fun in the morning getting ready for National Signing Day. So we'll, we'll get into that right now. Um, and then we'll also be bringing you an interview with wide receiver former Nooney Murray. Uh, he brought some good insight of Jimbo Fisher and his coaching and the difference with Willie Taggart uh, and some other things, some good insight on James Blackman and behind the scenes with him. So make sure you guys stay on the podcast for that. But let's go ahead and get started now. Let's go ahead and get into the National Signing Day. Florida State finished 16th nationally, second in the ACC, and they brought in 21 signees. It could be 22, as we know Nick Cross is still contemplating on where he's going to go. It seems like it's between Penn State and Florida State still. Uh, I We can get into Nick Cross stuff in a second, but uh, we, as we know, Florida State Missed out on their quarterback, too, Lance. And go and give us the last name, Fisher. LeJondre. There we go. Uh, like and, said, it doesn't really matter anymore how you pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, no friends, But there you go. Yeah. So what, what's y'all's thoughts on missing out on him and moving forward uh, for Florida State? That was a huge blow. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a concern because – now it's two two straight cycles for Willie Taggart where he failed to land a quarterback. Obviously, you know, what happened with Sam Howell in the early signing period transpired into Florida State going uh, head over heels for 
LL is what I'm going to call him because I can't pronounce it. I honestly can't pronounce his last name. They pretty much did take two L's <laughs> after that. They really did. Yeah. They took an L on LL and they took an L on uh, John Plumley. So his outfit was full Maryland too. You could tell. At this but, point, we're just wondering if Taggart can ever bring a quarterback to Tallahassee. Yeah, so far he hasn't shown he can do it. Uh, James Blackman was the last quarterback to sign with Florida State, and he's now entering his third year in the program. Um, just so the, between these two guys, obviously missed on Howell in the early signing period, and then John Rice Plumley was kind of a guy that FSU was in it for, but um, sort of but sort of an outside shot really uh, to land him. But uh, Lance Legendre, um, I don't think there's anyone uh, in the Florida State program or in the media or, or even a fan that really thought he would go anywhere other than Florida State leading up to signing day. Uh, I myself said he was a lock to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> so missing out on him was kind of a jaw dropper. Uh, I don't think anybody expected that. And, and especially because Maryland, I mean, was so late. To 11 his... days, was it? Yeah. And and Legendre was a guy that that Taggart has been recruiting for uh, quite a long time, and they had a, a good long standing relationship. And so to miss out on him, especially to a program like Maryland, uh, who went five and seven last year, obviously Florida State went five and seven, five and seven as well. But uh, you know, a team that you know hasn't really, they're not Florida State, and I think everyone knows what I mean by that. Obviously, uh, so missing out on him is a big blow and leaves a lot of questions to to be had, and uh, really disappointing. I remember he actually posted about that Maryland offer while he was on his visit to Florida State, and it's kind of inter- interesting now he ends up there. It's, it's really head-scratching. There's, <laughs> I, there's not really another way to describe that situation. Is this, it, like, is this even a whiff by, by Florida State's coaches, or is it just some crazy decision that no one could really it, foresee? It, it has to be. I mean, I mean, Taggart was a little shocked. It seemed like at the press conference he looked a little yeah. shook. FSU is second-rated recruiting class of teams who went five and seven, as we know. Also, with with losing uh, Legendre, they also lost Kamar Bell, or they were big target Kamar Bell, offensive tackle, um, and kind of with some guys that they passed on. Ward went to LSU, and they also passed out on Brown and Asante. Uh, so. That's it's a situation definitely quarterback wise was a highlight of the day. Um, you would like to have another offensive guard come in too with Kamar Bell, but that didn't go Florida State's way either. Uh, and then the biggest topic too, FSU's eyes are still on Nick Cross, still committed to Florida State, but he is did not sign uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Do you have any of the latest on that, Dustin? I mean, I would say right now it's definitely a good situation for Florida State because his parents have made it perfectly clear they're not going to sign his letter of intent if he if he wants to sign with Florida State. They'll only do it if he if he wants to go to Penn State, Maryland, or Georgia. So right now the coaching staff is really just hoping one of his parents ends up caving and and letting their son go play at the school that he actually wants to go play at, and you know instead of forcing their way into his decision no i, I mean oh. at this point there's not much left to say other than it's just it's nick cross versus parents and yeah. uh i mean it's just kind of there's no timetable for this as far as you know when he'll make a decision so we're all kind of have our ears perked up a little bit waiting on that uh but as dustin said it's, it's nick cross wants to be a seminal and his, and his parents disagree with that decision so uh it's it's kind of you kind of feel for the kid honestly a little bit yeah you know, it's you want him to to go where he wants to go 
Um, so hopefully that will be Tallahassee. But like I said, uh, we'll wait and see. Also, another interesting thing that happened later last evening on Wednesday night, uh, Jaden Woodby, current safety DB for Florida State, uh, tweeted that there are another two Knowles headed, uh, another two recruits headed to Florida State. Uh, that they'll have two more signings. Uh, could this be about Nick Cross? It most likely could be. Uh, or it could be somewhat, hopefully, maybe quarterback target somewhere in the mystic, magical lands. Um, any ideas who any of those could be? I mean, it's really, it's really kind of a, a guessing game at this point. I mean, hopefully one of those is Nick Cross, but... Also, last night I saw Jaden Woodby was retweeting some posts by David Baldwin, who uh, played quarterback at IMG Academy this past season. But he, he ended up signing with Appalachian State uh, yesterday afternoon, so I don't think that he could be in play. So, you know, maybe Woodby's just guessing, or, or maybe he does have some information. But, you know, either way, we'll figure it out pretty shortly. I know we were talking about before we came on the podcast, maybe it was two of those grad transfers, um, R.J. Proctor and Parker Braun, who will be visiting FSU later this spring to decide if that's a school they want to play their their final year at. Yeah, we don't we don't really have an idea of who he's referring to. However, I do want to add a little a little nugget about about Nick Cross because I mean he certainly could be one of the guys that uh, Jaden Woodby was referring to. Nick Cross is currently the uh, number one or excuse me, he's a top-rated unsigned recruit in the entire country. So I think the recruiting eyes of uh, the world have turned their turned their attention to this situation. Uh, we watched Willie Taggart's press conference at 3 o'clock yesterday. Uh, one of the biggest things that he talked about was the quarterback situation and then that he has a plan indeed for it to be solved for Florida State. Is anyone believing him? I mean... You know, per, me personally, I think that when you say you have a plan, you definitely do not have a plan. Because if you had a plan, you wouldn't you wouldn't be talking about it. You would just be doing it. <laughs> well, I, I think he he has a plan. I think this plan is probably Plan D at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, Plan A was to sign Sam Howell, and I don't know. On and on it goes from there. Obviously, he didn't expect to. Maybe he thought DeAndre Francois would transfer, but then he came back, and at that point I don't think anyone foresaw that, that he would eventually be dismissed. So uh, maybe he has a plan, but it's it's we're at the bottom of the barrel at this point um, with that. He, he did mention that they're definitely trying to get Jordan Travis a waiver to be eligible for next season. So, I mean, what are some answers at quarterback moving forward, especially in 2019? Great question, Fisher. That's a great. That is actually a great question. That's a, that's a pause. That's a pause that needs to stay on the podcast. There's no editing to do there. Tag, uh, well, I think Taggart's answer million dollar would be question. what he said yesterday at his press conference, which he uh, he said that four star cornerback signee Travis J might also see some action as a, a backup quarterback. And J played quarterback during his senior season at Madison County led the Cowboys to, to a state championship. And, and really, honestly, he, he performed well back there for for uh, a guy that's supposed to be a four-star cornerback at the next level. So I think it could be interesting. And, you know, 
it'd be cool to see the fan reaction to a cornerback out there at quarterback for sure. To me, to me personally, I, I mean, I think he's a pretty capable quarterback. And I mean, I say capable. I mean, he can throw the ball and take a snap. Um, maybe more than that. He's a pretty special <laughs> athlete. But, but I think that's kind of a emergency type situation uh, to play Travis J back there at quarterback. And and to me personally, I kind of think it'd be a shame uh, to rely on him to play quarterback if if James Blackman were to go down just because he's such a talented DB so uh, to take snaps away from him on defense I think would be um, kind of a detriment to your team however I think I think Travis Jay is pretty capable of coming in on on special plays um, he's he can he can make plays with the ball in his hands um, however I think if you're looking at him as like a viable option as your starter full-time um, I just think that would be a shame uh, yeah no Nah, just my take on, on on that. So yeah. I wouldn't love to see that. So Taggart uh, has got to go to the transfer portal, transfer portal, and, and get a guy in here that who's eligible immediately. Uh, some some people uh, had concerns about that because you know what if you sign a guy and and then James Blackman decides to leave. But Taggart made that clear that James Blackman does not shy away from competition. Uh, I think he thrives in it. And if you know James Blackman at all, which I mean we're we're just fans and, and we don't know him personally but i think from what we know and what we've seen on the field i think he uh embraces competition as well so there's there's some thing, that, i mean oh. no go ahead and ask your question one thing i do want to say is uh kendall bryles is a very creative offensive mind i mean we we've seen him figure it out at baylor florida atlantic and, and houston before coming to fsu and i remember back at baylor a, a couple years ago um, they were they were actually down to their fifth string quarterback, who was a wide receiver who had uh, played QB in high school, and Bryles brought him out there, and and they put up over 500 yards of offense and uh, whipped the team that they were playing that night. So, if yeah. Jay did have to come in and play QB, and he's a guy that that ran a lot of read option in high school, he scored 20 touchdowns, ran for over a thousand yards on the ground as a senior at that quarterback position. He's already got some experience in, in the type of offense that, that Browse wants to install at Florida State. And I I don't know. I'm a believer. I think it could work out. That speaking, speaking of a little bit of James Blackman, too, um, Fisher, you noted about him being very competitive and um, big leader, too. I kind of want to go and get to the interview now with Nooney Murray. He gives us notes on the coaching between Willie Taggart and Jim Fisher and the difference there. A little bit about the practices uh, how Jimbo's was a little bit more uh, harder than Willie Taggart's now, and then also talks about moving forward at the quarterback's situation and where he sees Willie Taggart uh, taking this team next year. Edge pressure coming. Francois delivers. Murray makes a man miss. Foot race down the middle. Inside the 10. Touchdown, Florida State. And they take the lead with 113 to go. All right, guys, we're here for a big podcast interview. We have former Noel wide receiver Nooney Murray with us this evening. Definitely excited to have him on and get his thoughts on a couple things, current and past at Florida State. So what's going on, Nooney? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're excited to have you on. I just want to 
you know, ask you how's training going. I know you just got the NFL Combine invite. Congratulations on that. How's your training going down in Miami? Uh, training has been going good so far. I've been getting after it, um, waiting on the Combine, and I'm very excited for the Combine. What's going on, Nooney? This is this is Fisher. Um, it's great to have you on the podcast. Um, so with, within your game, uh, where do you see yourself uh, – excelling the best on the football field whether that's slot or outside and, and what are some things that you think that you can really uh, showcase to some NFL teams um I think I can play both positions outside and inside um playing with Jimbo he had me playing outside a little bit and uh playing with Taggart I played in the slot a lot so um I think I'm a great route runner and um whoever wants me and uh, I think I'll be a good fit for any team I think I can play any offense uh, I got great hands you know, great feet, and I'm just competitor. Yeah, yeah, and we definitely saw you showcase a lot of your talents, definitely in your career at FSU. Are there any favorite NFL teams or locations or coaches that you would love to play for in the NFL? Uh, it really doesn't matter to me. I just need a chance. Uh, whoever gives me a chance, I'm going to give them all, and I'm um, showing what I really can do on the field. Yeah, good deal. Hey, Nyquan, this is Dustin here. Um, thank you, hey, thank you, you for coming on to the podcast. Pretty good, man. No problem. But um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to shift back to your days at Florida State. Um, what were some of your favorite memories as a Seminole? Uh, of course, it got to be the Orange Bowl, man. Scoring that game winner and uh, down here in Miami, it was, that was a big one. That was one of the biggest moments yeah. of my life, and uh, it opened up a lot of people's eyes and to see the type of player I am. So, as you just mentioned. Uh, <laughs> That, that Orange Bowl was really special for you, and, and it was really kind of the moment that, that Nyquan Murray really came on the scene and, and really kind of became a, a player that everybody recognized outside of the program. But before I ask you a question, I got two uh, clips I'm going to play for you, um, so just listen real quick. Okay. First starting field position of Florida State is the eight. Here's Francois. Oh, deep has got a man wide open. It's Murray. Murray down the middle of the field now. Those are two amazing plays that, that Florida State fans are going to remember for a long time. And, and really, that was a statement game for you as you were st still sort of a younger player trying to, trying to make your way and establish yourself. So um, take us through those plays and, and take us through uh, the feeling of, of that 92-yarder and then, and then sealing the game at the end there against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Oh, man, that's a crazy story because the night before the game, uh, me and DeAndre were talking about the 90-yarder. Um, uh, he was telling me, man, just run your route. Um, sink your hips, be patient on the route, and I'm going to throw it to you, and we're going to score a touchdown. And, man, that's the, same, that's the exact thing that happened in the game. So when I scored, I was like, man, that's crazy. And then going down to win the game, um, I told uh, Jimbo I want the ball, put it in my hands, and uh, Coach believed in me, and uh, he called a fade route on one of the top corners. That was in college football back then, Jordan Lewis. And uh, Francois gave me a good ball, and I came down with it. That was, that was an amazing moment, man. You say anything? You say anything to Jordan Lewis after that catch? 
Nah, man, I didn't say nothing. I was too, I was too excited. I was too excited. He just won the game. He didn't have to say anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I was happy, man. I was let, let, the talk. Talk. Yeah. let the scoreboard talk. Yeah. Let the scoreboard talk. Yeah. I saw Jimbo over there freaking out, too. He's like, get back on the side. Get over here, Murray. Get over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he had thought I spiked the ball, but I didn't, actually. <laughs> so he's going, I saw him talking to Dossie. He's like, go get your boy. Go get your boy. Get on the sideline. Uh, and, and speaking yeah. of and speaking of Dossie too, um, we saw that he had a really lot of close relationships with players in his past days at Florida State, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on him and how close y'all were as a wide receiver unit, and if not other players involved with Dossie too. Just some just some insight on who Lawrence Dossie is as a man and as a coach too, and how close y'all were. Uh, coach Dossie, man, he was like a, a father figure to us guys. Um, in the receiver core, he was one of those guys that always stayed on us. He he wasn't a yelling type of guy or a loud type of guy. He'd just come to you and let you know what you need to do right and what you're doing wrong, and uh, just lead me in the right direction. He helped me a lot and helped me mature and become the man I am today, player I am. So, thank Coach Dossie a lot for that. What are what are some of the differences you noticed in the coaching styles between Jimbo Fisher and Willie Taggart having a chance to play for both of them? I mean, they two, uh, they both are two great head coaches, and uh thank both of them for letting me get a chance to play with um, with those guys and playing in two different types of offenses. Um, but uh, Coach Coach Tagger, he's a good dude. He's a kind of laid-back type of guy and uh, got a lot of rules to go by. He's kind of strict, actually, but he's not a, a um, vocal, more vocal uh, coach like Jimbo. Jimbo's a loud type of guy. Get on you, tell you this, tell you that. But uh, it's all love. Mm-hmm. Is is Jimbo more like? What's the difference between the practices between those two, Taggart and Fisher? What are those like? The practice is definitely more intense with Jimbo. Uh, sometimes coach will probably start the practice over. We'll be on period ten. Coach will start it over. We used to always do redos and things like that. Coach was, he used to get after us a lot, man. I, I appreciate him for that too, though. So going into to last season, um, a lot of members of the media. And, and really, you know, fans on Twitter, FSU fans and, and Florida fans and, and Miami fans all, like, uh, criticized FSU for dancing during practices and, and maybe not coming across as serious and, and a lack of focus. Um, what are your thoughts on that, and do you think that had an effect on, on play? I mean, I thought that was real good. You know, I had coach from the personality, showing that he cared about us and um, just showing his spirit and who he really is. So uh, that really brought us, brought us closer. But uh, it didn't transfer to the field. I mean, that was his first year. I think he's a great head coach, and they're going to get it together this year and have a great season. Um, it, was just, um, it was just a rough year, man. Everybody had a rough year once in a while. And uh, he got the players, and he got to bring it all together on the field. I think he's going to do good this year. Speaking on the 2019 season, who are some guys that FSU fans should keep their eyes open for to, to watch out for, guys that could step up and have a huge impact? James Blackman. Um, to be honest, I don't think we had a, um, a leader like that type of dude since uh, James Winston when they won the national championship. That dude does a good locker room turn. Uh, he's a very vocal leader. And uh, just, just the way he carries himself, he's a good dude, man. And uh, that dude can play some ball. So I'm really behind him this year. And also Cam Akers and DJ Matthews. Watch out for DJ Matthews especially. That dude, they're a I want to ask you too, and 
going to James Blackman too, and the situation now with him being almost by himself there in that quarterback room on the scholarship players. Uh, just give me a little insight about how he is like in the uh, behind the scenes. We know that he's a big leader. Um, we saw that definitely on the sidelines. We see that he was talking to you quite a bit on the um, over there and talking with some of his teammates, even with Francois last year. Just tell some of the FSU fans about what he's like. Uh, James is one of those type of guys that bring the whole team spirits up, you know, get the team going, just get the team rolling and get the team on track. And uh, I, I really feel like that dude is going to lead this team this year, doing some big things. I'm behind him. I know that the coach is behind him. Everybody's behind him. So just look out for James Black this year. That's a real, that's, that's one of the best leaders I've ever been around. Thanks a lot for coming on here. I'm glad we were able to get you on here, definitely while you're training and all that. Um, hopefully maybe next season we can get you on here. I'm looking forward to watching you in the Combine, too, and covering that. Uh, but thanks again for coming on here. Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, thank you guys for having me, and uh, have a nice day, man. All right, so that was a great interview with former old wide receiver Nooney Murray. Thankful for him to come on. As we said, awesome insight on the difference between Willie Taggart and Jimbo Fisher and their coaching, and a little bit how uh, James Blackman is behind the scenes, saying he's one of – uh, the biggest leaders he's had uh, since being at Florida State, uh, and also a little bit about some guys that Florida State fans should keep an eye on going forward with Cam Akers and DJ Matthews, fellow wide receiver guy. So uh, with that being said, let's move on now to uh, our kind of our opinions now. Was Tribe 19 a success for Willie Taggart and company? we're thinking yeah, we're still thinking this is this is we're gonna have we're not cutting these moments while we're thinking either there's no cutting because that will right. we'll allow the listeners to make you know get it's, their it's like they're in, in the room head. with us yeah you're in the room you're here with us there's uh, no this is all raw too there's we just have a few notes right here and that's it uh i got a few thoughts i can go ahead and share just about Tribe 19 as a whole and whether or not it was a success. Um, I think missing out on Legendre, um, Legendre was left a bad taste in people's mouths. Uh, a lot of people quickly considered this a, a failure of a class. I saw some people on Twitter mentioning that maybe this is Willie's downfall, maybe this is the last straw for him. Um, however, I, I don't I don't feel that way. Um, I think this this class was a success a success as a whole. Obviously missed out on a quarterback, which which doesn't help. But um, this team was five and seven last year. There are only three teams in the entire country who were in the top ten, uh, excuse me, top twenty nationally who went five and seven, and FSU being um, a number sixteen, second in the ACC. I think you consider this a, a success after going five and seven. Uh, you you addressed the offensive line issues, bringing in what is it, six guys, six. I think that's how many they bring in, six guys. Yeah, they, six uh, offensive linemen. Dante Lucas. Uh, Jay Williams, who is a, who's a transfer. Uh, you also bring in uh, guys like Darius Washington, who, who signed with Florida State on National Signing Day. Ira Henry, who is a big body guy with a lot of upside. Uh, Marty Smith, a guy out of Miami Central High School. He's a, he's a guard and a solid player. Um, so they and they also brought in Ryan Roberts, uh, yeah. Illinois, the That's transfer. Idea, guy. Yeah. And they're still looking at bringing in a couple more guys. Hopefully, who both of those guys I think are day one starters. So. Um, I think FSU maybe didn't they missed out on Putnam, which hurt a lot, and maybe they didn't bring in guys that are day one starters at the moment. 
Um, however, they, they brought in numbers, and I think they raised the floor of the offensive line, and, and uh, maybe the next couple of years will bring stability back to that position. So I think that was huge. Uh, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, if you go three for three on the linemen, then signing day was a success. FSU did not do that. They went two for three, landing Washington and Henry. Um, they missed out on Kamar Bell. Uh, but I think Ira Henry and Washington were really your two 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 guys that that were really a priority um yeah missing out on bell hurts missing out on bell hurts but at the same time you already brought in lucas and maurice smith uh to this class who are two guards and fsu really needed to add uh depth at tackle so washington and and ira henry definitely were the top two i think fsu needed and they got them so um Mm -hmm. congrats to them for landing both of those guys um it was it was really important to get a guy like henry in here who's a big body who can develop and, and be a a uh, big-time player for Florida State, and Washington is a guy who is excited about being a Seminole, and and obviously, you know, he um, could bring a lot to the table as well the next couple of years. But uh, I, I think that, and then you know, you also addressed linebacker, which was a huge need for this team, and uh, it's a need that was kind of overshadowed by the need of the offensive line. But as we all know, the linebackers were pretty atrocious last year, maybe for the exception of Dontavious Jackson. So you brought in a lot of talent there, uh, landing. Uh, guys such as uh, Jaleel McRae, who's a who's a four star, and uh, love him. Yeah, yeah. Kalen Deloach, who's another guy that has a lot of really talented. Um, yeah, Darren McClendon. Uh, no, excuse me, he's a defensive end. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I mean to say, um, Kayvon Glenn is another guy you brought in. Who's um, a who's a three star, but a lot of upside there. So. I don't know. All that to say is I think Florida State uh, got who they needed, and I think we need to look at more who they got versus you know what were they ranked. Um, I think Florida State got pretty accustomed to being in the top five or top ten. So um, a lot of people are discouraged, but I think the staff did a great job, all things considering you know five and seven and, and the negativity surrounding the program. Yeah, I mean, I really agree with a lot of what you just said there. I think this class, it feels like a failure, you know, when after after signing day and, and some of the guys at Florida State missed out on. But really, when you look deeper into it, FSU satisfied the majority of their needs. Sure, they, they would have loved to sign a five-star freshman tackle that can come in and play right away. But, I mean, yeah. that, that just wasn't the reality of it. I don't think the staff yeah. had enough enough relationships overall in this class. And I think I think next cycle it's going to be the complete opposite because the staff has already jumped right onto the 2020 kids and established a lot of relationships. And I mean, you know, you saw Florida State miss out on guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, Trey Sanders, Will Putnam, obviously Evan Neal. So really, just and also the quarterbacks. Sorry, I forgot about Sam Howell and LL. Not to mention Plumley, if if you want to throw them in the discussion, but. They miss out on some big-time players, and that's just going to leave a sour taste in a lot of fans' mouths. But overall, a lot was accomplished with this class, and I think that it, they're going to bring in a lot of hard work and leadership to the program that it lacked in 2018. Yeah, and another thing I'll add, too, is it's, it feels like you got guys who are really wanting to change Florida State, too, uh, which, is, which is what this program needs, just a change of mentality, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jaleel, Jaleel McCray, I mean, that dude, he's already bleeding garnet and gold. He feels like he's going to come in and just play a leadership role off the bat as a true freshman. He's an early enrollee, so he's already on campus. So, And also guys like uh, Kalen Delowich and uh, 
Dante Lucas, True Thompson has been committed to Florida State for over three and a half years, I think it is. So, <laughs> yeah, these these guys love the program. They're not they're not coming here because Florida State is good. They're coming here to put Florida State back where the program belongs, right. up in the top yeah. of college football. Yeah, I agree. Jaleel McCray tweeted last night, hashtag Tribe19, you are not a recruit anymore. We have a lot of people to prove wrong this year, and we will be wrong if we let them seniors go out the wrong way. I'm glad to do it with my Tribe19 brothers. Let's work and change everything about Florida State University. I'm out. So I'm saying I, I love that guy. So, Dustin, kind of harping on Willie Taggart and his recruiting and what he excels in the most definitely here in Florida and down south and in Tampa area and whatnot. Uh, and also being a pretty stud recruiter across the country. Do you think this was a success primarily under him this season, or uh, this class in Tribe 19? Uh, what What do you mean by that? Do you mean like Taggart had more of an impact on the, the finish than the assistant coaches? or Yeah, under Taggart, yes. Um. Honestly, I think it was I think it was an equal effort because the assistant coaches have been out on the road a ton. I mean, Dante Pimpleton, Odell, uh, Coach Woody, all of those guys have been out on the road pretty much since the new year started. And I thought they did as good a job as they could with how much time they could put into this class. And by and by that, I mean they all got to Florida State not even not even really a year ago, so. The relationships with this class to Florida State just weren't there at that point, and they've done a good job establishing uh, relationships with a lot of guys in the 2020 class, and that's where I think we'll see a lot of high-tier talent start coming to Florida State. Yeah, I agree with Dustin. Um, I, I, in my personal opinion, I think this more this this recruiting cycle going into to the season, FSU had a lot of momentum with a lot of top guys like you mentioned earlier, Logan, Kayvon Thibodeau, and, and Evan Neal, and uh, Trey Sanders and, and guys like that who are impact players who are going to win you national champ- national championships and those are guys that FSU is used to landing. Um, seems like in the past uh, four or five years FSU has kind of been in it for multiple five stars on national signing day, and this year that just wasn't the case. Um, so FSU is you know just not in a place where they they're in it for those top tier guys. Um, so this year was is about getting those players who who can raise the, the floor of this program and, and bring it uh, back to some, some mild success. And, and I think, I agree with Dustin, next year is the year that you really are start, you start gunning for those guys that are going to take this from a, a good program to a, uh, you know, a, a, a team that can, can go to a bowl to a team that can contend for a national championship. I think uh, 2020 is, you're starting to gain momentum, and we can go ahead and transition to, to mm-hmm. looking ahead at that next class. Yeah, Tribe 20. We can start looking at a few of these guys. As we know, Jeff Sims recently uh, committed to Florida State. As of right now, he's a three-star guy, 6'3", 195, pretty raw at the moment. Uh, And then also we can go to a few guys in here. We got four-star outside linebacker Kayshawn Green from uh, actually nearby here at Wakulla um, in the panhandle. He's 6'3", 215. Pretty decent size, definitely for a linebacker there on the outside. Uh, any of these guys that you know you look at and see, okay, it's trending in the right direction. Definitely, uh, FSU had uh, a pretty big junior day. Um, let's see, last weekend, the weekend before National Signing Day, and 
by all accounts and from what I, from what I saw on social media, it looked like, I mean, it looked lit. To be honest, it looked like <laughs> it looks like guys are having the a fun time and and they were like designers. Yeah, man, they're using some the terminology the kids are using these days. But no, it, it looked like guys were having a fun time and, and guys were excited about being in Florida State. And a lot of guys left there saying, "Can't wait to go back." Uh, there's a lot of momentum for this 2020 class, and um, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism when you look at the 2020 class. Just looking at what you have now, currently Florida State sits at number eight and the country um, for 2020. They are ranked third in ACC behind Clemson and Miami. Um, but, man, there are a lot of studs on this class. Everyone's a four-star except for Jeff Sims, who you can mm-hmm. pretty – just recently got on there, yeah. You can, you He's going to be a top 250 yeah, prospect by yeah, the time it's you over. Can, you can expect him to, to swiftly rise to the rankings. So a lot of reasons to look forward to, to this next cycle. Tribe 20 yeah, I agree. is looking lit. That's all I know. Yeah. I mean, I agree with a lot of what Fisher just said there. Florida State's already got a pretty decent nucleus of talent established in that 2020 class. And nucleus. they, yeah, they know the needs that they need to hit on before this, before this cycle ends. And that's going to be finding some, some better offensive linemen that might be able to come in and make an impact immediately. I know they're already in contention for a few guys like Joshua Braun, who's actually the brother of Parker Braun, the grad transfer that's considering transfer into Florida State so it's going to be interesting there's there uh Florida State's going to have to get some running backs in this cycle there's Demarcus Bowman a five-star running back Jalen Knighton a uh high four-star and Lawrence Toa Philly who is also a uh top 150 prospect in the country so there's a lot of talent the Seminoles are involved with and it's going to be interesting to see how things start to shake out as we get further into this spring Dustin you're pretty familiar with just recruiting in general do you think uh, let's say FSU wins nine games next year. What are the odds that Florida State can land a top five class nationally? Well, I mean, we just saw Florida State finish with the number 16 class, and they had their, their worst season in 41 years. So if Taggart starts to right this ship and he gets up to nine, ten wins, I don't see any way Florida State doesn't finish inside the top ten, if not the top five. Yeah, I agree. Another news going out today. This is Thursday. Uh, big hit to the Florida State basketball team as they were looking like a favorite to land them. Uh, Anthony Edwards, arguably the best player in the class, will not be visiting uh, Florida State this weekend. The plan was for him to visit Saturday for the Louisville FSU showdown, but we got word today from a source inside the program saying that he has canceled his visit and it's looking, looking like he's going to stick with going to Georgia. He canceled his visits to North Carolina and Kansas earlier this week too. So I know you're a basketball guy. Dustin, what does this do to Florida State? Hey, well, first off, I just want to say hashtag bag season. Oh, (laughs) the title of the podcast. (laughs) No, there's no money in college athletics. Yeah, (laughs) none for the players, none at all. It's all right, graphic designer, it's all right. That's illegal. They can't do that. You guys are crazy. Hey, you would know at Mississippi State. <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think this is a, a killer necessarily for, for Florida State's recruiting in the 2019 class. Um, it's, it's definitely a blow because this is a guy 
disappointing because of the relationship Ham has had with Anthony yeah. Edwards. Yeah, the coaches have been on him since he was in eighth grade or, or something crazy like that. I mean, they've been talking to him since before he blew up and, and all the blue bloods were on him. And, I mean, even it's not even he's not even going to end up at a blue blood. He's going to go to Georgia. So Jesus. <laughs> to, lose him, to lose him to Georgia, of all people, just really hurts. Irritating. And, I mean, yeah, especially because Anthony Edwards would be the highest recruit in the history of Florida State basketball – He's looking like he's going to be the number one overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. So he could have changed the perception of Florida State nationally by, by coming here. And unfortunately, now he might do the same thing at Georgia if the Bulldogs have success with him and if they keep writing those checks, allegedly. And FSU fans were looking for something to feel good about, a win, uh, really just – in general, and I think people were excited about Anthony Edwards, and, and obviously it's looking like now he's going to go to Georgia. Uh, Dustin, you hit it on the head when you said, you know, we're not losing him to a blue blood, but losing him to Georgia, which hurts even more. And it's kind of similar to, I mean, it's FSU was in it for Andrew Wiggins a few years ago. Um, I think that and means Kevin Knox. I mean, yeah, just and and big-time you know, guys. you lose those guys to, to some big big time programs, but I mean, to lose a guy to, to Georgia, who, I mean, when have they ever done anything? So. Um, he was he was a player that could have taken FSU from a you know just to get in the tournament to to you know competing for a spot in the Final Four. So absolutely, it's it's uh it's tough to tough to hear it. Two blows back to back days. How depressing. That's so much part <laughs> playing playing. Uh, but yeah, Florida State will face number sixteen Louisville on Saturday. Do you want to kind of give some a uh, little preview on that, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, it really seems like the Seminoles are, are surging following that loss to Duke that also attributed to them losing two more games after that. I mean, at this point, they've won stort, four straight games. They whooped Syracuse the other night. It was 36-15 to 15 at one point. The Orange closed it. And then in the second half, the, the last 10 minutes or so of the game, Florida State just dominated. And, I mean, what can you say? Mifiandu Kevin Kelly has taken his game to – another level after he broke out a season ago. I mean, this dude, he's like, I've talked about on previous podcasts. He, he does it all. He shoots a three, he scores down low, he passes the ball, he plays amazing defense and he's finally getting away from that foul trouble problem that uh, we mentioned on a, an earlier episode. So really just seeing him blossom like this, it's been the thing that's put Florida state back in position to uh, get into the NCAA tournament with a high seed and also finish conference play strong. And it's going to start with this Louisville game. If they can beat number 16 Louisville, after that, Florida State plays Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and then Clemson. Those are three very winnable games. They could be on an eight-game winning streak heading into a road game against current number eight team, North Carolina. Good reaction or accurate segment. Uh, is Ifondu Cabangeli the best player on the team? Do I, I mean, do I have to answer it? <laughs> Just I'm gonna, say, right now, as of as of now, it's accurate. Cabin Jelly is playing like he's the best player on Florida State's basketball team. Terrence Mann, he, he's still playing good. Phil Kofer is, is Phil Kofer. He's starting to find his rhythm again. And also MJ Walker recently got out of that cold streak that he's been in since last March, so... But right now, Kevin Gelly is playing the best basketball of any player on this roster, and he, he's, he's a monster. He's on another level. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you, Dustin. Kevin Gailey, uh, every, time I, every time I watch the game and, and all the commentators can talk about is, is Fiondu Kevin Gailey. He is the guy that looks like the most explosive player on this team. He's the guy that can do it all uh, in every facet of the game. Um, and he uh, really elevates this team. Um, like, he, like you said, Dustin, he's finally getting his, his foul trouble woes kind of out of the way. And, man, he's going to be a key to success in the tournament and, and a guy that I, I believe is going to – He's an NBA guy, in my opinion. So accurate. Yeah, and the double the double knee pads is really just a old school look. I, it's I a love throwback. It. Yeah, I love it, man. That's awesome. All for it. A reaction or accurate? Uh, James Blackman can lead the team to a nine win season. I'm going to say accurate, just because I was already projecting James Blackman to end up as Florida State starting quarterback, and I believe I projected Florida State to win eight to nine games in uh, our off-season podcast. Yeah, I'm going to go accurate as well. Um, I think it's certainly in the realm of possibility to win nine games. Um, I think nine might be your might be your cap next year. Um, however, James Blackman is uh, a pretty talented guy, as we've seen before, and, and any sort of uh, mediocrity along the O-line um, against a, a pretty uh, easy, relatively easy, uh, especially compared to last year's schedule. Um, yep. I think you can do it. And Nooney gave us some good insight, too, about James Blackman and being a huge leader and related him with Jameis Winston. So Yeah, yeah. so we've he mentioned James Blackman and James Blackman and Jameis Winston in the same sentence, so predicting a Heisman season for, for James Black. <laughs> And I just think, you know, with Blackman becoming that starting quarterback, now his leadership can really take over the team. Because before, I'm sure it was kind of like a power grab type of scenario with Francois being the starter, but James Blackman bringing all that leadership to the table. You know, he couldn't really he couldn't really take over the team probably as much as he wanted to. And now it, it's his team. I mean, he's the quarterback, and, and guys are going to listen to what he wants to do. It's it's what he has of, to say. Yeah, no, totally, I agree with you. It's it's refreshing, honestly, to have a quarterback, and there's no controversy, there's no competition going into spring. Uh, James Blackman is your quarterback, without a doubt, and it it, it really gives you a guy that you can rally around, uh, especially the team can rally around, uh, and I think it's going to translate onto the field, having more continuity and less questions about it. So, yeah, overreaction or accurate. Florida State's uh, recruiting is spiraling downhill. <laughs> that seems pretty rough. I mean, it's definitely an overreaction. I mean, obviously, it, it sucks for Florida State to miss out on landing a quarterback for the second straight season and also to, to miss out on Kamar Bell, as we noted earlier. But I don't think the recruiting is spiraling downhill. If anything, it's amazing that Florida State has the number 16th ranked class in the country after going five and seven. I mean, I know Fisher talked about there are only there are only five teams that went five and seven in the top in the top 50 of the final recruiting rating, rankings, and Florida State is the second of that bunch behind Tennessee. So really, I think it's a testament to how good this staff recruited. Obviously, there's some prospects they didn't finish on and some decisions that didn't go the way they wanted them to, but I mean, the end-all, be-all, this is this is a good class for FSU. And next year, it's set up to be even better. Yeah, it's it's an overreaction. 
I'm going to agree with Dustin again on this one. Um, and, and like Dustin said, it's, it's actually impressive that they are where they are having the season that they've had last year and really just with all the negative uh, energy surrounding the program at the, at the time. So the fact that they finished uh, top 20 nationally and second in the ACC and, and got the guys they did is, is a testament to, to, to their ability to recruit guys. And, and again, like Dustin said, um, looking ahead of 2020, it, it's, it just, it's looking up. So uh, it, a lot of it's going to depend on how this next year goes. I think, um, I think that's going to matter, but but the fact that um, FSU is where they are um, is impressive to me. So we're going to be just fine. Well, I think that will do it for this week's podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. You can find the podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes, or your preferred platform. And uh, I'm glad we got to recap a lot of the National Signing Day stuff. I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it coming up next week. And thank you a lot to Nooney Murray for coming on and joining us to talk a little bit about uh, his times at FSU, his favorite memories, and all of that. Uh, but as always, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Hear the Spear. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Mama.